Treasures from the Bible. I'm Maria, and in today's program, we visit a famous eatery and farmer's market called the World Market. Our Bible lesson will be on Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? might not want to eat that spicy Indian food, Lindy. I know, but it looks so good. I'm going to take her to find something else that she can stomach. I'm sure we'll find something here. They have foods from all over the world. Do you think you're getting sick? I don't know. I don't feel so great. I see you're getting Indian food, Aline. You know what? I feel like pizza today. Why don't we meet you and the others upstairs after we get our food? Okay, sounds good. I've been studying Psalm 22. Oh, really? And wondering why Christ said on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I know he made that statement prior to his death and after about three hours of darkness. But this has to be referring to what took place before he even created this universe in 11,013 B.C which involved the Lord Jesus Christ making full payment for the sins of every child of God. This meant he had to die since the wages of sin is death and he had to rise from the dead. This truth is plainly stated in Psalm 16:10, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Hell is death. Thus, before the payment for sin was complete, Christ had to rise from death. As a result, Christ could be and would be called the Son of God, as it says in Romans 1.4. Well, hello there. I thought I recognized your voices. Mo! I didn't know you worked here. Hi, Mo. That's right. Can I get you something to eat? They have some excellent soups here. Mo! How's the teriyaki and shrimp tempura? I think you'll like it. And it's piping hot. I'll take that. It sounds yummy. Did anyone bring a Bible? I have one. Do you want me to look up a verse for you? Sure, Jacob. Thank you. Jacob, could you read Romans 1-4? I'm trying to understand the meaning of the verse when the Lord cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Okay, in Romans 1-4 we read, And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Maria, can you read Luke 23-36? Sure, Luke 23-36. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, He said, Father, 
Into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. The three hours of darkness was a dramatic representation of the fact that Christ was forsaken by God even before he created this universe. This meant that he had to die and be resurrected in order to satisfy God's justice. What do you mean by God's justice, Grandpa? Well, Sarah, you know that the wages of sin is death or hell, right? Yes. Christ had to become sin for all those that he came to save. And then he had to die for those sins, which is hell or the grave, and be abandoned by his heavenly Father. We cannot understand how God could kill God. And yet, this is what took place before the universe was created. But he wasn't left in hell. Remember, dear, that you quoted Psalm 16.10 to me earlier? For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. That's one part that still confuses me about Christ not being called the Son of God until after his resurrection. Well, Jacob, you know that the Lord Jesus has many titles, right? Do you mean like the way or the door or the good shepherd? That's right. Well, before he created this spectacular universe, he took upon himself the sins of all the elect and as a result had to die both in his soul and in his body. Jude speaks of those who are not saved, I believe it's in verse 12, as being twice dead. Is it like when somebody gets saved or born again? Exactly, Jacob. They experience the second birth and become a son of God, as we read in John 1, 12 and 13. Can I read it, please? Sure, sweetheart. Come, sit on my lap and I'll help you. John 1, 12 through 13. John chapter 1. Verses 12 and 13. But as many as received him. But as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Nor of the will of man, but of God. Nice job reading, honey. After Christ's resurrection, the graves were opened and the bodies of some of the believers came out. What does that signify? Let's see. Here it is in uh, Matthew 27, 51 through 53. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Again we see how the veil of the temple was ripped in two from the top to the bottom. 
And we also learn from Hebrews 10.20 that the veil is a picture of Christ's body or flesh that was ripped in two. Again, emphasizing that he had died both in his soul and in his body before the foundation of the world by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. This is all part of the demonstration that explains not only how Christ paid for the believer's sins, but also reminds us that our salvation will not be complete until each true child of God will receive their glorified spiritual body on May 21, 2011, when the bodies of all the saints, dead or alive, will arise to meet the Lord in the air in their new bodies. What is the rapture, Mr. Ganto? I know that. It's when all Christians will get new bodies and go up to heaven to be with the Lord forever. What is the holy city? It can't be Jerusalem, right? I remember Grandpa telling us that it is the new Jerusalem or heaven. That's correct, Jacob, but I want to mention two other very important points. Number one, another demonstration of the certainty of the resurrection taking place before the foundation of the world is this. In his soul, Christ went to heaven. We saw that when he told the thief on the cross in Luke 23, 46, and when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Wasn't his body buried in Joseph of Arimathea's grave? Yes, Jacob, without his soul. In the grave, his body did not corrupt. According to Psalm 16:10 that we looked at earlier, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer or allow thine Holy One to see corruption. Even though Christ's body and soul were both corrupted before this universe was even created, they did not remain that way because he was raised from the dead in his soul and in his body, proving that he had victoriously defeated both sin and death. Okay, I see that. But what was the other point you wanted to make? It's the wonderful pardon that Christ so graciously gave to the thief on his right, who symbolizes all true Christians in Luke 23:43. Can I read that, Mr. Gunther? Go right ahead, Nehemiah. Luke 23:43, And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Well, boys and girls, with that wonderful promise, we've come to the end of another program. Today we learned some very important things about Christ saying on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? For a free audio CD of today's program, please write to Treasures from the Bible an outreach of Bible Ministries International and KL Family Radio, Oakland, California, 94621, USA. Today's program is titled, One Day at the World Market. May God richly bless you with His salvation.
Thanks for listening, and be sure and tune in next week when we'll learn something new from the Bible. Bye.